you want a way to build a list of not just cleaning customers, but loyal, raving fans for your maid service? On today's episode of the ZenMade podcast, Tim Kroll, a sales and marketing expert, is going to teach you guys the exact system that you need to accomplish exactly this without being sleazy. So this presentation today that you're about to listen to is from the 2019 Maid Summit, and you're going to learn what emotion has to do with the sales process and how it applies to cleaning specifically, how you can use emotion to create connection with your target cleaning clients, how using this system over and over again can create predictable results for your maid service, and how you can create a list of raving loyal fans for your services that will be customers for life. Tim Kroll is an experienced e-commerce business expert, owner, and entrepreneur. His experience spans owning a local service-based business to building multi-million dollar businesses. But what sets him apart is his ability to communicate a complex business strategy into a simple step-by-step -step action plan. I hope you guys enjoy. All right. I want to welcome everybody. We are going to cover some awesome things. Hopefully you guys are going to be able to get a pen and paper out, write down some really, really cool tips that you can use uh, and apply them directly to your business. Before I jump into all of that, I realize that there's probably a good amount of individuals that are out there watching this that may not know exactly who I am. So let's pretend we're getting in the elevator. I'm going to give you my 30 second. Uh, it's probably going to be more than that just because I like to talk a little bit. But let me just kind of give you share a little bit of my journey as far as where I've walked through. The reason why I'm so passionate about sales and about marketing and about connecting to people that way. So if we journey back into my childhood, which happened a long time ago, you can tell by the gray hair, right? If we journey back in there, I started my selling career back when I was probably around 11, 12 years old. And being, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I've always had this desire to go find something, create it, and then go sell it. Don't ask me why. It's just kind of one of the things that I've had, right? And so back then, I conned my sister into joining me on this one adventure. And what we ended up doing, uh, we lived in Pennsylvania. And what I would do is I would go out in the woods and I, I would literally swing like Tarzan on these grapevines until they would pull out of the tree because I we had grapevines everywhere. And so we would take the grapevines, we'd strip off all of the leaves and the extra twigs, and then we would start weaving the grapevines into a grapevine wreath. Then I talked my mom and dad into going to a flower shop or a ribbon store or whatever, and we would actually make grapevine wreaths. And we would make anywhere between five, six, maybe even a dozen of them or so. And then literally, we would go door to door, knocking on people's doors, selling grapevine wreaths. And that's the way I got started into selling. And I learned so much in that part because it made me have interaction with people on a real-time basis, and I absolutely loved it. From there, I went into selling baseball cards. I know Gary Vee made that really popular because I know he did the same thing. And I have been literally selling all my life. In college, I would go door to door. I would pick up a tie, a shirt, or whatever, a belt, whatever. I'd buy it for a couple bucks and I'd go down another 10 doors and I would sell it again in the dorm room, right? So like all of my life, I have been selling. I have been talking to people. I have been interacting with them and finding things. So that leads into my official, what they call professional career, right? And I started my business in the home service area. 
in my area, what I did is I started uh, with doing construction and I found very quickly if I niched down and became really good at something, it was better. And so I started into flooring. We did uh, pretty much everything. I was a rug rat stretching, cleaning, repairing carpets. And then I found that if I could go into hardwoods or tile, I was a little bit more specialized. I could make more money. And so I started growing a business there. And then from there, I found that I didn't really know how to manage people. So I had a lot to learn. This is talking 20 years ago. And so I kind of made some mistakes, learned from some mistakes. I'm sure everybody out there can relate to that. And then I started into what I officially called my selling career. And I learned tons because we did in-home sales that we had to close immediately that night. And that was really the core of where I learned what it meant to be all about the emotional selling and to tie things together that way. From there, I ended up stepping into a couple of different companies, a large corporate company. We built a couple of five, $10 million a year. And then I built another company in e-commerce. We were, we took it from $10,000 a month up to $10 million a month. Um, so we had a lot of fun, a lot of exciting things, a lot of lessons that we learned. And in all of that process, we ended up moving up to Northern Michigan. Absolutely love it. Quite frankly, I think it is the Probably the best kept secret here in the United States because it's a little bit more remote. There's no direct air flights to it, anything like that. And so up here, we, this is part of me, is I love adventure, right? And so what we've done is I, I try to go out on a monthly basis or maybe even sometimes a weekly basis and explore what I love, like I said, to call this, this best kept secret. And in part of that, Northern Michigan, I found that I really like rocks. I'm kind of like a rock hound, and I know that maybe somebody out there can relate. They like rocks too, but um, so every once in a while, we'll go out and we'll pick up rocks. And so I have this rock here. I'll kind of see if I can get it to clarify. And I've got this rock here. Most of the time, when I pick rocks up and look at stuff, most people look at me, or you know, if I was going to offer these rocks out to the crowd, you know, say, "Hey, uh, does anybody want this rock?" And most people look at me like on a cross-eyed, like, "Dude, that's just a rock from outside. It was in a rock garden out there. Or, you know, something's going on." So, and and they know what they're right. Most people don't even want this rock. And, and so what I've done is actually started looking at it and say, okay, what actually has meaning? And so up here in Michigan, we have these rocks called Petoskey stones. And let's see if I can get this thing to focus in a little bit. Come on, focus in on that. So these are really cool. And maybe you can see that, maybe you cannot. But if you do a search for Petoskey, it's actually named after a city up here. This, here's a really cool thing, is this is only found in northern Michigan. It's off of back when there was glaciers covering. We had actually seawater here. And so these are fossilized corals. It's called a colony coral. And if you actually go back and look at pictures of when these things were alive, they have a really beautiful royal blue color. And then they, I mean, as you can see the sides here, you can see how they just continue to grow. Hopefully this thing is actually getting a nice clear view on that. Let's see if we can get it focused in. But I absolutely love these rocks because it's like a piece of Michigan. And everywhere I go, and I'm not going to give this away, but everywhere I go, I usually try to carry at least a little piece of Michigan with me. And uh, this one happens to be my favorite because I just love the differences and the, the color in it. Um, actually, uh, the inside here, the reason why there's some that are real light, there's some that are dark. This one's darker, which means that it typically had some kind of an oil that settled into it and then created that dark, really beautiful, rich color, right? So really a lot of cool things, but this truly, and I'm and if I was going to give it away, immediately everybody's hand goes up because everybody wants it, especially when I'm traveling and I'm doing things and they're all like, yeah, I want a piece of Michigan. I want something. But you know what? This is what I find so interesting. These rocks here that I just showed you a couple seconds ago, these two, these are actually Petoskey stones. The difference is I didn't put a story to it. Once I put a story to it, 
put a little bit of water on this so you can actually see, and hopefully I can get this camera to focus nice and clear, you can see how pretty they look. You can see that they've got their coral color into it. Uh, let me dump this one here because this one's actually, I love the way this one looks. It's got that nice deep dark look to it. You can see the lines, it's almost like a, like a striping effect on this. So then if I were to say all of a sudden, hey, did anybody want these rocks? All of a sudden everybody's hands go up. So what made the difference? What changed from a rock that looked like it was just out of a rock garden, old, ugly, gray, dingy, to becoming something that was very desirable? It was the story. It was the connection that I had to the rock. And as I told that story, you can kind of see a lot of individuals, especially when I'm in a large group, a lot of individuals are like, oh, yeah, I definitely want that because it's a, it's a keepsake. It's a memory. We're touching in on some kind of emotional point. Right. So that's what this whole talk is all about. This is what we're going to be able to learn is we're going to actually I'm going to share the screen now and we're going to kind of go through some of these things here. But what is really emotional selling? The whole goal of the emotional selling is to increase your sales. Right. And you want raving fans. You want loyal customers. And so when you're looking at this, here's what's going to be your takeaway on all of these things that are going on. You're going to be able to understand as we talk through this stuff, and this is what the, the, the lessons that we're going to learn in these four stages here. Number one, you're going to be able to understand how to quickly create relationships to find things that are in common with your customers. Number two is you want to understand your products and services. And then number three, which is the most important component, is connecting all of these things, this relationship, your products or your services, you want to be able to connect them with your customers' pain points. And we're going to learn a little bit how to do that. So you guys ready? What is emotional selling? Well, we talked about that, right? That's why I use the illustrations of the rocks here. Emotional selling is an attaching, is attaching an emotional connection to your service or your product. The key is to understand what your customers are going to be emotional about. What's going to be able to drive them over the edge? Because at the end of the day, what we want them to do, and I'm going to say this several times throughout the whole teaching part of it, is we want them to say that that MSRP, your manufacturer's suggested retail price, your cost for your services, your price that you're putting down in front of them, you want them to be able to, at the end of the day, after you get done your presentation, is to be able to say, yes, this is okay. This is totally fine. Uh, sign me up. Or... Shut up and take my money, right? That's what we want them to do. So that's truly what all about, that, that's what emotional selling is all about. This podcast is brought to you by ZenMade. Now, if you need help with your automation or if you're frustrated with the amount of time that scheduling is taking you currently, you need to visit ZenMade.com. We started over six years ago building simple software for cleaning businesses just like yours. If you take a look at the site, you can see all of the things that we're working on, all of the feedback that we get from our audience, from this podcast, from the Facebook group, from all the other places. So if you're interested again zenmade.com and take a look at what we've been working on and why is this so important because like i said we want our customers to be okay with that manufacturer suggested retail price or whatever it is at the bottom of the bid we want them to be okay with that so and like i said in other words you want them to shut up and take more money so what's going to be the result number one and this is what everybody always asks for i want a higher close percentage I need more sales. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've talked with uh, those that are in my coaching groups and those businesses that I consult with. I can't tell you how often I hear this exact question. I want more sales. Or it's possible that they want more leads. Either way, it's the, it's the, the ability to be able to communicate and connect with them. Right? So that's number one, is increase your sales. Increase your closing percentage. Number two is to be able to create a loyal customer base. And we're going we're gonna to really dive into this, and I, I'm excited to be it because it's once you can get a 
a customer that you've completely solved their pain point, they are going to be your in your tribe. They're going to be loyal to you for life. All right, so here's the four stages. The four stages of emotional selling is very, it, you just go right through these things. Number one is you've got to build your relationship. Number two is you got to be able to create the value. This is from your features and your benefit side of things. Number three is having the emotional value greater than the MSRP, the logical value greater than your MSRP. And once you've done these three steps, you get to the last and the final stage, which is, hey, I put down the price and the MSRP is okay. So let's dive into the relationship first. How do we build a relationship? I have a great friend. His name is Loredo. He's in Rochester, right outside of Rochester, New York. I love what he did. In fact, I even have his coin right here because I, it keeps me as a great reminder. He has a culture program that he set up with his employees where he hides these poker chips around and throughout all of the places that he cleans. And uh, he builds this based on a couple of different things. So he has the, the, the coins there, the, the poker chips, hides them in places that they would normally find them. Once that employee finds it, that now has value. They can trade it in for dollars. They can trade it in for product. They can trade it in for a bunch of different things that he has that he's creating that culture with. That's number one. Number two, he then contacts back with the customer or the manufacturer of the place that they're cleaning. And he tells them, hey, our, our employee just found it at your place as a part of a reward. We're going to mention them on Facebook, you and on Facebook, all of these different things that he's tying all together. But it's all hinged around Harley Davidson. What is so cool about this, and again, he has it all over his social media. What's so cool about this is we were at AGS Live two or three years ago, three years ago now. Wow, it's been a while. And he was telling me about the fact that he ended up getting a lead off the fact that one of the product project managers, one of the, I'll call him more of a property manager, really, he just found him and found out that. Laredo loved to drive Harleys and loved to work with Harleys. And he found out that he was using the Harley Davidson as part of his entire culture, right? And so they started a conversation. That's how, the, that's how it opened up. Then they found out that, uh, oh, yeah, I want you to come give me a bid. So Laredo went up to be able to do the bid. You know what they talked about for the vast majority of the time? They talked about Harleys. They talked about their love of a Harley. They talked about how they liked riding. They loved the culture of this. They talked about all of these other things, and it all tied in. And then suddenly, at the very end, Loreto said, hey, here's my price. And the guy said, oh, when can you start? And that's exciting because what's going on in there is he's building relationships. He's actually doing the relationship part of that. So how do you know if you've actually established a relationship? Well, how do you know if you're doing things? Here's exactly what. The three steps. Now, the three steps in here. Here's exactly what Laredo did. Number one, step number one, is he established a commonality. Now, I start with this, whereas a lot of other sales trainers, other people, they start with the no like, trust kind of a thing. I kind of feel like we've, we've evolved, right? We've come to a new area, a new arena, a new industry, a new way of doing things. And the step number one is how do you create commonality? So when you walk into a home, you walk into a property manager, you walk into somebody's office, and you're looking around, what can you see that you can start a conversation about? How can you ask about their kids or family? How do you create that relationship by starting with something that you have in common? And when you think about that, how do you then know that you've established that relationship? In every sales situation that I've ever been in, if you follow these four steps, 
you can do it within an hour, two hours, a couple of hours. Sometimes this whole process may take two weeks or three weeks, but I'm telling you, if you know the process, you can whittle it down and get it done in an hour. So step number one is you got to have something in common. You got to be able to talk about that and start to build a relationship. Now, again, how do you know? You see point one and two. Number one is you're able to share a belly laugh. You're able to share something together that is really funny and you both laugh about it. It's something that is genuine, something that's transparent. Or number two is that they share something that's deep and something that's personal. If you can get either one of those, it's almost like a check mark in your mind. Yep, I've got a relationship. I've been able to establish something that we have in common to be able to begin this journey of creating that relationship. So step number one is commonality. And again, share a belly laugh or a, something deep and personal. Step number two is the expert status. So as you listen to them, as you understand, as you share stories, the whole component of this is be who you are. The path that you're on, the, the way that you are, makes you an expert. The fact that you're inside of your business, it makes you an expert. And if you're not an expert, then you work for the expert. But you've got to be able to establish this and show them and, and share with them a lot of the things that you've been doing after you've established commonality. So first of all, establish commonality. Second then is you establish the, yourself as an expert. So again, if I refer back to the no like, first one is you got to know them. Second one is they got to like you, right? But this one is such a, it's so much better because you've established yourself as an expert. All right. Number three then is trust. So you got to be transparent. You got to be authentic. And I always put this bullet point down because once you understand this concept of building relationships, the fact that you can build commonality, build the fact that you become an expert, and then number three is the fact that they actually trust you, you have the ability to be able to walk in there and tell them almost anything and they'll believe you. So when you walk into it, you could like, you know, again, as long as you build the relationship correctly, you could tell them that the sky is red and they're like, yeah, it is red. What do you know? Look at that. Because you've built this entire relationship and they trust you. So don't abuse it. Be really, really careful because the next thing is, is something that came from Gandhi. The moment that there's any kind of suspicion about a person's motive, everything that he does becomes tainted. So as you go through here, be transparent, be authentic. In that attitude and with that type of a heart, build your commonality, build your expertise, and then they'll trust you. That's exactly how you build relationships. The thing is with trust, it's very hard to gain, but it's extremely easy to lose. So again, be careful of your motives because again, the moment, and this, I love the statement, the moment that there's any, any type of suspicion about a person's motives, Everything that he said up until that point becomes tainted based on those motives, all right? So the first, first stage that we're talking about is to make sure that you establish your relationship. Step number two, all about value. This can be taken so many different ways, but the one thing that I really want to kind of focus on is what are the features and the benefits that you have inside of your service? In other words, what makes you different? Because when you can understand your company's core features and the benefits, that's step one. Then number two, understand the avatar. In other words, understand the person that you're selling to. Understand their, what, what they're talking about, how they talk, the language that they talk. When you can understand yours and then their stuff, the way that they are, 
then you can begin to connect the dots between what you have and what they need. And that's called the emotional attachment. All right. So why are they buying the products? Why are they buying your service? Now be careful because it might not be what you think. And in every situation that I've ever looked at, you've got to really truly boil down. And one of the things that I will offer out, and we'll put a link down there. If you want the free guide to be able to walk through how to be able to, to understand this stuff, we're going to put a link at the bottom of it. So click on that link. I'll give you three pages and you can really truly dive into this and go even a little bit deeper. But the step number two is making sure that you understand what your value is as a company. You know, what's your mission? What's the vision? What's the core values? What are the features and benefits of the service that you're offering? When you can really understand your product, then you can start being able to connect what their needs are with the emotional attachment, right? And this is really what's, what, we're, what we're really going to as far as the second part of it, which is step number three is the greater than your MSRP, all right? So here's what emotional value looks like. And I just want to take a pause on this because this is absolutely key to be able to understand. So first of all is a relationship. Number two is the value, the value of your product, of your service, the features and benefits that you understand, understanding the value of your customer, and now we begin to attach your emotions to that product, to that service. This podcast is brought to you by ZenMade. If you need help with just about anything in your maid service, make sure to join the ZenMade Mastermind on Facebook. We have a community that has over 4,000 maid service owners just like you who are struggling with things daily, who are sharing their wins daily, and uh, asking for help. So if there's absolutely anything that we can help you with, just go to the ZenMade Mastermind on Facebook, request to join, just answer the three questions survey, and you'll be in within a couple of hours and you can make some friends in your area all that stuff and you want to get those emotions up higher than whatever your msrm ms msrp is <laughs> so i'm stripping over my words there so what are the different emotional values that you can start talking about and there's five of them number one fear fear sells more quickly than anything else that i've ever seen now Apologize in advance, but this is a great illustration and I can't let it go. If you look at every election that we've had, every presidential election, what is the number one emotional pitch, marketing, whatever you want to call it, what is the number one thing that they're trying to sell on? It's fear. I don't care if you're right, if you're left, if you're blue, you're red. I don't care which one you are. Both sides end up talking about fear. Fear of doom, fear of catastrophe, fear of whatever it is. There's a huge fear that they're attempting to market because they know that fear will motivate action more than anything else. So in your situation with your customers, what are they afraid of? What fear can you look at and make so big in their mind that the only solution is for them to be able to purchase your service? What is that fear? So that's number one, fear. Number two, security. Security is, I'm sure you guys have probably seen these commercials. The ones where you've got a doorbell and you've got a little camera on that and uh, you know, you've got this bad guy acting all sneaky kind of coming up the drive and all of a sudden you say, you know, oh, who's there? And then the guy's like, oh, and they run away. You know, what is that? That's based on security. So they're selling the, I even forgot the name of it right now, but the Google voice 
whatever it is, the ADP kind of stuff, all of this protection is based off of security because they're showing a mom with kids. They're showing something that's going on that's causing some insecurity. By creating that feeling of security that they get from purchasing this product, they can now know that they're going to be safe. They have security in that. And same thing with your services. How can you touch on security as far as one of the emotions to be able to sell your product? Number three is excitement. I can't tell you how often I've seen this. <laughs> Apple comes out with a brand new product, and what happens? You get all kinds of excitement. You get lines around the corner, right? You get all kinds of different people that are standing there excited about this new product. And it's happened more than once. I mean, you see people waiting in line for all kinds of stuff because they're excited. So what is something that you can use to be able to get them a little bit more excited about doing business with you? What's an incentive? What's going to get them motivated? Um, how do you create that part of it? Number, th number four is an opportunity. This is an opportunity that they have at this exact moment that could pass them by. So how are you creating an opportunity? And number three is perceived convenience. You can see this in any grocery store. When you walk up to the cash register, you've got candy aisles on both sides. It's a perceived convenience. It's something that makes it easy, something that makes their life more convenient to be able to live. So those are the five ways that you can start to attach emotion. I typically like to do Q&A, so hopefully we can have some kind of a scenario set up. If you have any type of questions in regards to how your service would connect with somebody else or have ideas on that, I'd love to be able to hear, with, hear about them, love to be able to connect, love to be able to answer some questions on those. But this is the key. You have to get emotional value into your service. You have to connect it. You have to make it so that is the number one thing that they see, this is the problem or the challenge that they're running into and the only solution that that can solve this is your service because you know what your your service features and benefits are you know how best to be able to solve that challenge so this is number one and this part of the emotional value being greater than number two then is your logical value and here's what's really important in this logical value part they need to understand that they can afford it now if you're into, let's say, a large corporation and you're trying to sell to them, they have to be able to justify the spend for whatever services. So they, you have to be able to connect that. You can have all of the emotional value. You can even sell and close that exact same day. But if you're selling to a homeowner or residence, a lot of times they get this 2 a.m. sweat. They wake up like, oh, crap, what did I just do? I spent $1,000 on so-and-so's service for whatever, and I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I've got groceries I gotta buy, I've got a mortgage due, I've got an electric bill, I've got uh, Jimmy's soccer game that's coming up, I've got Sally's ballet lessons that I gotta pay for. They need to understand that they can afford it. So logically, it has to make sense. You've gotta be able to attach the dollars to it. So not only do you have the emotional attachment, like I need this right now, you also have to have the logical attachment on why this is of a value both as far as a residential as well as in a commercial because that individual, a property manager, most of the time they're not the decision maker when it comes to the finances. They have to run it up the board. It has to make sense logically. So you've got to make sure that it's a good, the logical value is greater than your MSRP, right? The customer must know that they can afford this product, all right? So you've got, let me just run through these three things again. So you've got number one, you've got the fact that you've got to build a relationship. Number two is you got to know who and what you're selling. 
I should say probably more what you're selling. <laughs> you got to know the values of your features and your benefits. Number three is you've got to attach your emotional value and your logical value. And then finally, step number four is yes, the MSRP is okay. In other words, shut up and take my money. <laughs> That's what we want, right? That's what we want our customers to be able to get to. So if you do these in this step, this sequence happens no matter if you're selling a $100 item or if you're selling a $10,000 item. If you're selling a $1,000 product service or selling a $50,000 product, this pattern happens over and over and over again. I've seen it so many times. I was able, like I said, to be able to build a $7 million a month company on this principle alone, knowing that I was taking care of a need and attaching some type of an emotional value. So I'm looking forward to hearing the comments. I'm looking forward to um, any of the questions you guys might have. Love to be able to talk with you guys. Love to be able to connect. If you have and you want to run deeper in it and say, hey, Tim, I don't quite understand exactly what's going on here. By all means, I'd love to be able, love for you to be able to reach out to me, be able to talk. We've got coaching programs that we have that are available. We can dive deep into some of this stuff. We can also do some market analyst analytics for you. There's lots of really cool, great things that we can do. But even if you're not interested in all of that, you now have a step-by-step -step process. Number one, to be able to connect the relationship with your customers. Number two is to understand how they're emotionally how they need to be emotionally sold to. You, you have all of these things, all of these tools. The question is, are you going to be able to go on and implement them? Are you going to take action or are you just going to write them down in your little notepad and just be done with it? I really strongly encourage you to implement and then by all means, because I love adventure, I love the journey, I want to hear about your stories. I want to hear what's going on in your lives. So make sure you contact me. Let me know if you have any questions and that's everything that we've got for today. So we'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, Amara again. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the ZenMade podcast. If you are not already using the software, head over to ZenMade.com and learn more about that. You can see a demo from ZenMade's own Courtney Wisely, who you've heard here on the podcast before. You can also check out a variety of other resources that we have available that we have made free. There is the Made Summit at madesummit.com. You can go to zenmade.com slash courses. Check out all of our video content on YouTube. And of course, join the ZenMade Mastermind, or if you're a software customer, join the ZenMade Inner Circle. And we will see you next time here at ZenMade.